Welcome. This podcast is an exploration into being human and what's possible when there's less attention on the noise in our heads. Warning. While listening to this broadcast, you may experience moments of deep peace, sighs of relief, personal insights, or long stretches of dead air. Do not be afraid. This is normal. Under the Noise with Wynne Morgan and Kate Roberts. Welcome to Under the Noise. I'm Kate Roberts. I'm here with my co-host, Wynne Morgan. Hi, Wynne. Hello, Kate. Hello, everyone else. And today on our show, we have Rahini Ross. Hi, Rahini. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for being with us. We love to make our first question with guests, not your typical, what have you done and all of that stuff, but we love to put it to our guests. What would you love for people to know about you right now? Mm. That is a great question. I don't really feel like there's a lot that I would love for people to know about me right now. I mean, not that there isn't anything to know, but it just feels like that people, there's just so much that people do have to know. And so I think there's a lot of space and room for not knowing and just allowing that to be. Love that answer. There is a lot of not knowing. I think that there's just such information overload. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but to not know and to have space, that just feels like a breath of fresh air. It really does. So rare and beautiful in that space, I think. <laughs> Is there anything that lately that you've seen that at one at one time felt really really solid? You know, like something in your experience that felt really solid, like you could pick it up and throw it at something. And then all of a sudden it was more like tissue paper. Mm-hmm. I love that description. Well, there are definitely things that I was very certain about that really shifted for me. And I think that that is something that was pretty life-changing when something that goes from looking really true and real to all of a sudden becoming a question mark or looking a lot more subjective in nature. And so the first thing that came to mind when you said that about the solid and real was my conviction in my relationship with Angus, who I know you've spoken with recently, about his needing to change in our relationship and that he had a problem with anger and if that were different, my life would be better and easier. And that looked black and white to me. It looked factual. 
had evidence <laughs> the situation and that situation and in a moment all of that changed and I didn't even realize it had changed I think that was the funny thing he was the, the one who noticed that there had been a shift in me I hadn't even realized that something had gone from looking really solid and real to actually not existing anymore and so the situation was when he and I had one of our verbal spats and he was getting angry about something and, you know, said something unkind to me previously in my certainty, it looked like what he said to me caused me to feel hurt. And that looked absolutely real. And then in this situation that happens and I don't feel hurt. I'm not even noticing that I'm not feeling hurt. I'm just not feeling hurt and I'm not reacting and it's not escalating. And he was the one that got confused about what was going on <laughs> and asked me, why are you reacting? And in the moment, what I saw was that he was suffering and that he was hurting. And I could see that the way he was behaving with me was a reflection of that. And it had nothing to do with me. Not that I can't behave in ways that would have that be an appropriate response, but in that situation, that wasn't the case. And when he asked me why I wasn't responding, and reacting the way that I normally would have, that's when I noticed that something was different. I hadn't noticed it before then. And what I realized was that I wasn't hurting. The reason I wasn't reacting is because I wasn't in pain and suffering. Now that's really curious that he was doing the same thing that I would have 100% been convinced that that was the cause of my suffering and then I'm not suffering and he hasn't stopped doing what the thing is that I thought he needed to change. And so then I had to really look at, well, where is my suffering actually coming from then? If it's not coming from him and it's not here now, where was it coming from before? And so that helped me to see that the suffering that I was experiencing previously, that was not obviously a conscious choice. It came in so quickly. I wasn't even aware of it. But what was happening is I was reacting to my own painful thoughts that would arise within me when Angus behaved that way. And so I would have thoughts of unworthiness, like who, how could I, how could I be married to someone who would treat me this way? What's wrong with me? that I'm in this situation, what's wrong with me that I can't stop this, what, you know, I would just be flooded with whatever, whatever those thoughts are. And that was what was causing me so much pain and suffering in the moment. And when they weren't present, or maybe they were present, but I just wasn't, you know, I wasn't identifying with them. I was not hurt one bit. 
And I want to be really clear. I have to really emphasize this because sometimes people misconstrue what I'm saying and I'm not condoning Angus behaving the way that he was or him being unkind to me. I'm not saying that that behavior is loving behavior. I know it's not, but it's also not me being a doormat and saying anything goes because I genuinely probably felt the most empowered I'd ever felt in my life up to that point, because I could be in the face of his upset in the face of his anger. And I was not scared one bit and I was perfectly fine. And that was hugely healing and revelatory for me to see that that was available to me. And so that solid to squishy tissue paper was life-changing. And it doesn't mean that I never get reactive now. I certainly get a lot less reactive now, but so does he. I think that was the other thing that I saw in our relationship was that the way that I was relating to him when he was upset would create more of an escalation in the upset and it would create longer periods of time when we're in conflict. It was a chain reaction. So I'm not saying that I was responsible for his upset, but the interpersonal dynamics between the two of us when we're both thinking the other person is responsible for our suffering created a whole lot more suffering for the two of us. And so now, even though we may still get reactive at times, it's so much more often that when that happens, the other person doesn't take it personally and doesn't get reactive or in the occasions when that does happen, because we're both still human, it doesn't escalate in the way that it used to. And we both remember pretty quickly that this is a reflection of our suffering. It's not a reflection of our relationship. It doesn't mean anything about who we are. It's simply a moment of human suffering that's getting expressed and it fizzles out pretty quickly. And we usually can find some humor in it pretty fast too. And so that has been life-changing because I really felt for many years that I couldn't be married to Angus. I felt it was an unhealthy relationship. I think early on in my relationship, if our financial circumstances had been different and there was more finances available, we probably wouldn't have stayed together because I think part of it was I couldn't figure out how to leave because I didn't know how I would be able to support myself and our children and how that would work. And I'm very grateful actually that that didn't happen because I feel like what has been opened up in terms of possibility and relationship is really beautiful. And I really cher cherish that. And it doesn't mean that I couldn't have had that with someone else, but I'm really grateful that we've been on the journey that we've been on and that we get to keep the adventure going and learn and grow together. I said it wasn't a choice like that came from a space of truth that I'm not sure if we choose it. Mm. You know, that's always available. Mm. And sometimes 
at least for me, I'm starting to see that it's not really up to me what I see and when I see it. Somehow knowing that when I settle down, it'll just show up in perfect timing. And it'll be enough mm -hmm. in that moment. There's always more, but it's enough. Yeah, that really takes the pressure off to know that it's not on us personally to change, to see something, that that's unfolding from an impersonal place within us and to let go of the illusion of our control over that or our need to interfere in that process, I think is liberating. And I know for myself who I spent a lot of time over the years thinking that I was in charge of that and that I needed to work on myself and do things to improve myself. And really all that amounted to was a whole lot of suffering because of the pressure that I was putting on myself and to be able to, as you're saying, Kate, to see that it's not on me, that life is expressing through me and unfolding at the pace that it unfolds and that I couldn't have seen that sooner. I wish on one level that I had because it would have been a whole, lot less, a whole lot less suffering along the way, but it unfolded when it did, when I was ready to see that. And I don't need to keep putting pressure on myself to see more or to learn more or to do, do more that what's here right now is everything that I need in this moment. And even if my conceptual mind gets involved and starts judging things and feeling like I'm not enough or something isn't enough. That's just part of the experience of being human and I don't need to be worried about that or change it. It's just what is. Comes and goes. And for me, that freedom of being able to be with experience in a lighter way without using it as a measure of defining who I am, but understanding that experience by nature changes and shifts and doesn't mean anything about who any of us are, that has been truly freeing and opens up that space of knowing, experiencing, sensing, what's beyond that, even if it's just a little whiff of that essence that goes a long way to feeling peace of mind and to not identifying with what keeps changing in consciousness or in my personal consciousness and recognizing that the wholeness of who we are 
the the breadth of that is so much greater than I will ever understand or will ever need to understand. But the feeling of something that's not just what comes and goes allows me to relax into that and allows me to relax into experience, not have to be separate from it. I think all of the different ways I tried to handle experience. One was try to change experience. I spent a lot of time trying to get a better experience, trying to improve my experience. I thought having less suffering was how to improve my experience. And then realizing that that's not within my personal power. And in fact, the more I get involved in that, the worse I feel. And then the inclination to be like, well, I'm not my experience then, that's okay. I can separate myself out from my experience. Well, I couldn't do that either. And realizing that a resistance to experience is just as strong a magnification of it as trying to change it. And then instead, allowing myself to just relax into what is and not need to change it, not need to fight it just let it be, that's been a whole enriching discovery of experiencing my resilience and witnessing the freedom that's available and simply letting go. But I had this conceptual idea that letting go somehow meant that I was letting go of experience. And really what I'm experiencing now and who knows what it's going to be in the future. But what I'm experiencing now is the letting go is allowing myself to be fully open to the full range of experience and feeling the safety in that without needing to change any aspect of it. Even if I'm afraid of my experience, not even needing to change that, just letting go into what is on that level has been the entry point to feeling something deeper than just the experience that comes and goes. And so I think that's been a curious discovery that I didn't even realize I was discovering. Again, like Angus, like, what's happened to you? <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm just being with what is a lot more these days. And I didn't even really notice it that much until I get asked questions like this here or start reflecting on things and realize I, oh, there is something different about how I'm being with myself, how I'm being with others, how I'm being with experience that feels a whole lot freer. Difficult to know what to say after that. Maybe there's nothing to say after that. The one question that occurs to me right now is I'd like to think I know you quite well I'm quite I know quite a bit about the work that you do and what you're up to in the world I'd love to hear a bit about how what you've just said is playing out in your work with other people it's so much easier to see their health it's easier to notice what they miss 
when they're focusing on what they need to change or what's not working or how they're suffering. And I think my experience of knowing the pain of resistance, knowing the pain of trying to change experience is helpful for pointing others to what's really available, which is looking in a completely different direction than what they often think the problem is. And so instead, it's an invitation to look at how to be with what is exactly as it is and to be on the exploration of what does it feel like to open to that fully and what do they experience in the wisdom that emerges for them as they lean into that and it's not necessarily an invitation that people want to take right away they might really feel strongly that that isn't the direction to look in and that it's not possible to look in that direction without things changing. And so it's an opportunity to support them with listening to what they do really know inside of themselves and to recognize the difference between their conditioned thinking the identification with automatic thoughts that they might not even know they're identifying with because it just feels so normal. And to recognize that there is a deeper knowing that every single one of us has within ourselves that is not absent, but is often not listened to. And that when there's the space to listen to that deeper place within, then they get to hear it in their words, in their language, through their feelings, what the invitation is. And they might speak to it differently than how I might speak to it, but ultimately it's pointing to the same place. And that when we hear that call within ourselves, and allow ourselves to say yes to that invitation. It doesn't matter what the timing is. It doesn't matter whether we feel like we're taking a baby step or we're diving off the cliff. It's unfolding. And I just think the experience of freedom that results from not being gripped by the conditioned mind is so alluring because it's so painful and constricting. All of our coping mechanisms, all of our conditioning, all of the habits, whether they be mental habits or behavioral habits, like all of the ways that we try to defend ourselves from suffering create suffering. And the suffering is often what is brought by a client as the problem, the suffering of a painful relationship, the suffering of not feeling as successful as they wanna be in the world, the suffering of 
mental torture, the suffering of low moods, you know, all of the, the suffering that shows up in the human experience. If we really look at being with it in an open way, rather than trying to change it or resist it, all of a sudden, a huge layer of, a layer of suffering just disappears. And then when we experience that capacity that we have to just be with it as it is, whatever it might be, then we can hear deeper within ourselves. The wisdom shows up in the moment. The common sense shows up in the moment. The conditioning isn't strong enough to, to drown out the sound of our knowing when we're really present. And then change comes from there. So my work is, is simply to point people in that direction to what they have inside of themselves so that they can actually hear it. And from there, they have that. And there may be some time to get into the new way of looking, the new way of listening, orienting the self to that new compass point within that's always been there. But ultimately, when we know it, we can trust it. And all that happens is that we, over the years, learn to trust our intellect, our conditioning, what we think helps us be safe, what gives us the illusion of control. We learn to trust that, but there's nothing there. That's, there's no foundation in that. And then we suffer and the suffering is healthy feedback to support us with looking in a different direction. Unfortunately though, and I'll speak for myself, the suffering I thought was a green light to keep going in that direction, and keep looking and keep going faster and do more. Eventually I'm going to get somewhere. It's like, oh, it doesn't seem to be working. Why am I so burnt out? Why is my health not good? Why is my relationship falling apart? And then all of a sudden realizing that, oh, that there's no answer in that direction. There never will be an answer in that direction. doesn't matter how fast I go or how hard I try. And actually the gift of burnout, the gift of not having the energy to do that anymore was what was needed to turn me around because I would have kept going thinking there was something eventually going to show up because I thought that it was my lack that was resulting in not finding anything. I didn't think it wasn't because there wasn't anything there to find. I thought it was a failure on my part. And if I could just figure out that failure, then I'd find peace of mind, self-worth, good enoughness through this external looking, running, chasing. And ultimately it was always there all along. Mm -hmm. I hadn't been listening to all of that noise and what a perfect name for your podcast, Under the Noise. <laughs> I hadn't been listening to all of the noise. Then I would have been able to see that. But like Kate said, 
the timing is what the timing is. And that was all I think the perfect unfolding for me of discovering that there's more than just the noise. And there wasn't one misstep along the way. And there isn't one misstep along the way for any of my clients. Everything is part of what supports them with seeing who they are and remembering who they are and listening deeper to what they know within themselves. I was reading a book this morning where the author was talking about how common it is for us to be on kind of one side of the shore and want to get to the other side of the shore. And there's this kind of constant striving to get there, like over there. And then when you get there, you realize there was, there was only one shore. Like you were always, you were always on the right shore. Mm -hmm. Always supported. Always with everything we need. But I think to what you're saying is that when all that noise falls away, there's, there's only one shore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a beautiful metaphor. And I think it's even more appropriate based on the title. It's like sometimes the, the noise falls away, but sometimes the noise doesn't fall away. And that's okay because that's not all of who we are. That can all be happening. And we can still be aware that there's only one shore and that there's nowhere to get to. And it's just a false indicator to think that the noise means that there's somewhere to get to because it's right here, even with all of that. And for me, that's the embracing of the human condition and the opening to the human experience and allowing that to be the doorway into what's beyond the noise rather than resisting trying to change, just simply having it be the invitation that allows us to experience more of who we are, that that isn't just who we are. That's one tiny bit of what it means to be human. But if we, rev if we resist that tiny bit, it's hard to experience what else there is to experience. As a species, aren't we fascinating? <laughs> curious. <laughs> we are, yeah, really curious that we we have this very compelling illusion of another shore being better than the one I'm on, and there's only one. That the answer to more suffering is not to keep looking into the suffering, and yet it will still be so compelling to do so until it stops being so compelling to do so either consciously or unconsciously or just because nature's got our back that we settle or we see through the noise or we get peaceful regardless of how noisy it is 
This has been such a treat, Rohini, just to listen to you. Hmm. Really has. And with and with every guest, we've got the the short bio in wherever you're finding this podcast, along with contact details, etc. Thank you so much for being with us today, and I'm sure the person who's listening right now to you for the last 40 odd minutes or so has, has enjoyed it. And if you haven't, listen again. <laughs> and if you still don't, listen again. And you'll hear, given how heartfelt, Rahini, you've been today, it gets through. Hmm. Well, thank you for creating the space that clearly is very intentional in supporting that emerging. Thank you very much. Thank you both. Yeah. You've been listening to this week's Under the Noise with me, Wynne Morgan, and my co-host, Kate Roberts, and our very special guest, Rohini Ross. If you have any questions or you would like us to talk about anything specific, then please get in touch. Our contact details are to the right now on YouTube, depending on what device you're actually on and wherever you're finding this podcast on whatever device you're listening to. Thanks very much for being with us again this week. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to chat about, email Wynn or Kate at win at winning.co.uk and Kate at kateroberts.coaching.com. Until then, enjoy what's possible under the noise.